a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds. With the right plan and mindset, anything is possible. I'm Jennifer John, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast. I am so excited for my guest today. Dr. John Demartini is the author of over 40, you guys, 40 self-development books and manuscripts, such as the bestseller, The Breakthrough Experience, which has been translated into over 36 languages. He has produced over 100 audio and video online courses and products covering subjects such as building wealth, the mind-body connection, accessing your seven greatest powers, conscious intention, powerful business insights, and so many more. And his vision and mission is to share knowledge and wisdom that empowers you to become a master of your own life and your own destiny. Welcome, John, to the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I was looking forward to it. Yes. And you guys, John is coming to us today from Alexandria, Egypt, which I think is just so very cool that technology allows us to have these conversations when we are on opposite sides of the globe. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I think the hardest parts about this show today, John, honestly, was me trying to figure out like what to ask you, because there's so many different directions that we could take this conversation. But one of the things that really, really caught my eye was on your website, you had something which talked about your deserve level. So will you just speak a little bit to what is your deserve level and how can we increase it? Okay. So can I develop that a minute? Give it a, give it a minute of development? Yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. Most people, somewhere in their journey, when they were single or possibly married acting single, they met somebody that was they were enamored by, that was a, a, you know put on a pedestal and they were enamored by. And the moment they are conscious of the upsides and unconscious of the downsides, and activate an amygdala's response of impulse towards seeking that individual out, they find themselves putting that individual on a pedestal, minimizing themselves to them, and as a result of it, willing to sacrifice what's important to them to be with them for fear of loss of them initially. When they do, they depreciate themselves, overappreciate the individual, and will activate their altruistic component of their brain, which wants to give without necessarily receiving. On the other hand, when you are meeting somebody that you are going, no way, avoid, danger, resent, and now you're, con you're, you're conscious of the downsides, unconscious of the upsides, you have an instinct to avoid them in the amygdala, and you put them in the pit and you put yourself on a pedestal self-righteously. You're too proud to admit what I see in them inside me, where before you were too humble to admit what I see in them inside me. But now, instead of altruism, you get narcissistic and say, my way, the highway. You know, you, you're, you're the one that stands up and projects your values onto them where before you were injecting their values. So anytime we diminish ourselves or minimize ourselves 
and devalue ourselves relative because of contrast with somebody else. That altruistic system will have difficulty receiving, but you'll have no problem giving. When you're on the narcissistic side, because you're putting people down and putting yourself up, you have a difficulty time giving you want to receive. You're trying to get something for nothing when the narcissistic side is. You're trying to give something for nothing on the altruistic side. But if you level the playing field and own what you see in them, you're not too proud or humble to own what you see in them. You have a reflective awareness where the seer, the seeing, and the seen are the same. Now you have sustainable fair exchange where you're able to give and receive in a nice, perfect equanimity and equity. And this is where you maximize your economic growth as well as your self-worth growth. So the moment we compare ourselves to other people and minimize ourselves to others and put them on pedestals, spiritually, intellectually, business, finance, or any area, we automatically activate our altruistic side and have difficulty receiving. And our self-worth is diminished because of contrast. If we were all there when there was nobody to compare ourselves to, we wouldn't perceive that. But because of contrast, just like if you... I had a woman who was in South Africa who was voted as one of the most beautiful women in the world by about Mm -hmm. six magazines, but she had dysmorphia, body dysmorphic syndrome. And because of that, whenever she would see another woman, she would say, oh my God, her hair is thicker than mine. Ooh, her her chest, Mm -hmm. breasts are nicer than mine, or her thighs are nicer than mine, her abs are better than mine, her hair is better than mine, thicker than mine. And because of that, She kept comparing herself to all these other individuals, only parts of them, not the whole, just certain parts that she admired, but then was minimizing all those parts in herself as a result of it and couldn't recognize her own beauty, even though she was considered one of the most beautiful women in the world. So the second we compare ourselves to others, instead of compare our daily actions to what we value most, we set ourselves up for injected values from outer authorities, the superego as Freud called it. And then we end up judging ourselves. And when we minimize ourselves to other people, we have difficulty receiving and devaluing ourselves. And we have difficulty asking for what we want. So that is a symptom primarily of a comparison and the injected values of other people. Because the second you compare your actions to their values, you're going to think that you've made a mistake. You don't make a mistake in your own values only when you've injected some authority's values into your life and then you think, well, I should have done this. I ought to be doing this. I need to be doing this. And that makes it difficult for people to receive in life. A lot of people, very very few percent of people become financially well off because they don't feel worthy of receiving and holding on to things. They they feel like they have got to, even consumerism, where we got to go buy things is a way of getting rid of something because you don't feel worthy of it. You feel more worthy having some other brand than you do yourself. The moment you actually stop comparing yourself and compare your actions to your own values, you start to build your own brand, value yourself, and not need to buy consumables that you think are going to give you through retail therapy some high, only to eventually find out you've got debt three days later. Oh my gosh, this is just absolutely fascinating to me. And so the the woman who is, you know, one of the most beautiful women in the world, and she's looking at these other women and comparing her parts to their parts. So when you have somebody like this, and, and I know people that are listening right now have all experienced this, we've all experienced it, whether it's a physical body, whether it's a relationship that we've seen somebody else has, whether it's money that somebody else has. So where do you start? (laughs) Where do you start with starting to kind of 
level that playing field because it makes a lot of sense when you understand what's going on. But how do you actually start to, what do you do differently to start to level that playing field and stop, you know, putting yourself either above somebody else or below them? Well, it's really not that difficult, but it does take accountability. At the level of the most authentic you, nothing's missing in you. I want everybody to hear that. At the level of your most authentic self, nothing's missing in you. But the moment you perceive another individual and are fooled by the facade of who you think they are, you now compare and then you start to exaggerate or minimize yourself to somebody else. And if you exaggerate yourself and put them down, you project your values onto them, which is futile. And if you minimize yourself and inject their values into you, you're trying to live in their values, which is futile. Anytime you try to get others to be like you or you to be like other people, you've got futility. And the futility is a feedback to let you know that you're judging instead of loving people. So the fastest way to level the playing field is to own what you perceive. You know, in the, in the old uh, New Testament, even though it's old, 2,000 years old, there's a very nice quote in Romans 2.1 that says, and I'm not a Bible thumper or a Bible promoter. I just, I just remember this quote, that's all. But it says, you know, beware for the ones you judge are reflections of you. You do the same thing they do. You got one pointing finger out, but you got three pointing back. So anytime you admire somebody on the outside, but you're too humble to admit what you see, you have what they have in your own form according to your own values, but you're not honoring it. And the same thing that you're resenting in somebody, you have what you see in them in your own form, but you're too proud to admit it and you're ashamed of it. So you're trying to avoid facing it. When you actually ask the question, what specific trait, action, or inaction do I perceive in them that I admire most? Maybe they're good in business, maybe they have wealth, or maybe they've got a more attractive mate or socially connected or whatever it may be. You immediately go and ask, what specific trait, action, or inaction do I perceive in them, them displaying and demonstrating that I admire most or despise most? And then they go, go to yourself and go, All right, John, go to a moment where and when you perceive yourself displaying or demonstrating that same or similar specific trait, action or inaction inside yourself. Where did you do it? When did you do it? Who did you do it to? Who perceives you that way? In your own form, in your own values. See, I had a lady on to my seminar yesterday, my Breakthrough Experience program, which is one of my signature programs. And she was really beating herself up compared to this person that was highly intelligent. And I said, he's highly intelligent in one area, academics and IT. Okay. And that's not your strength, is it? That's low on your values. She goes, yeah, I don't, that's not my thing. What's highest on your values? What's most important to you? Landscaping, gardening, and outside design of, of yards and things. That's my profession. I said, let's imagine that he is now going with you to try to assist you on a project of doing an outside design and landscaping. And she just looks at me and she goes, oh my God, he would be an idiot. I'm the one that's intelligent. I said, you're not missing what you see in him. It's in a form you're not honoring because you're thinking his form is greater than yours. But you have the same intelligence. It's just in a different area. He is intelligent in his area, his highest value, IT. That's lower on your values. Anytime you expect yourself to be a genius in something that's low on your values, you're going to end up beating yourself up. But if you realize that where you have an expertise, what you're is really inspiring to you is doing beautiful landscaping, that's where your genius is. And she goes, I got it. 
And she goes, he would be an idiot there. He's not more intelligent. He just has a different form of intelligence. I said, now you're getting it. And the moment she did, she goes, I don't need to be intimidated by this guy. I said, no, because you're not honoring. So you always ask, what is it what I see? And where's my form of it? And that levels the playing field. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I love this so much. You know, I've been a, a business coach for gosh, over 10 years now. And I think that in my work of helping other business owners, this actually helped me not to compare myself in the sense that when I would work with a business owner and they would come in and I would initially be like, oh my gosh, you know, this person is so great. They might even be more successful in business than I had been. How am I going to help them, you know, as a coach? And then through the coaching relationship, I would get to know them. And then when you have a really good coaching relationship and it's a very safe space, like you, all the dirt, right? All the dirt comes up and it's a safe space. So I would never share any of that with anybody. But from the coaching perspective, it really helped me to see that anytime I saw somebody like comparing themselves to somebody else, it was like, wait a second, you don't know what's going on in their life behind the scenes. Because yes, on the outside, that person might seem like so successful in business, but what you don't know is that, you know, they're going through a horrible, horrible divorce, or they have just been diagnosed with a terrible disease, or they filed for bankruptcy that you wouldn't know if you weren't in that intimate relationship with them and seeing behind the scenes. And so I think that really, really helped me that whenever I meet a person or work with a client, you know, not to judge them and not to set like that false expectation, because it's like, I always even tell my other clients, it's just like, look, there's so much going on behind the scenes that you would, you would never know is actually going on. But if you're not a coach or a therapist or somebody who's like privy to some of that information, it can be really hard to look at a person and, you know, put them on a pedestal or, or, or not put yourself on the pedestal if you're not kind of privy to that, you know, behind the scenes information. So what would you say, like, what's something that like, how can an average person start to you know, drop the judgment. And it, it, is that what you would suggest? Like when you meet somebody new or you're looking at these other people, like what would you suggest? Do we just try harder not to judge or is there some other tool we can, we can use? Well, the first thing I tell people is don't ever be fooled by a facade because it's all facade. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's the, yeah. I, I, was, I met Howard Hughes when I was a kid. And when I met Howard Hughes, I oh. thought he was a bum on the street because he was in El Paso, Texas when I met him. And he told me that he's one of the wealthiest men in the world. And I thought, this guy doesn't look like anything but a bum. He was really a mess. But he was the wealthiest yeah. man in the world, one of them. So don't be fooled by facade, because that's what he told me. Don't be fooled by the facade. Don't be fooled by outer appearance. Because everybody's a hero villain. Everybody's a saint sinner. Everybody's got two sides. See, I'm not a nice person. I'm not a mean person. I'm an individual with a set of values and you support my values. I'm nice as a pussycat. You challenge my values. I can be mean mm -hmm. as a tiger. So don't ever be fooled by a one-sided interpretation of some, some facade of individuals. Can I share a story that I, I think might be helpful? Absolutely. I had a guy that came to me quite a number of years back, probably 12, 13 years ago now. He said, Dr. Martin, I'd like to hire, if you don't mind, to, to consult with you to help me become successful. And I said, Okay, fantastic. So what do we do? I said, I have the first question. Where are you successful? 
He said, I'm not successful. That's why I want to be successful. That's why I'm hiring you. I said, great. Where are you successful? And he goes, but you're not understanding. You're not hearing me. I, I am not successful. I want to be successful. I said, no, you're not hearing me. I'm asking a very pertinent question. Where are you successful? Where are you achieving something you set out to do? And he finally said, oh, well, okay, I, I, I have a very amazing relationship with my wife. And, and we've been together for over 10 years, almost 11 years. And we have an amazing relationship. I said, is that something you set out to do and you achieved? He goes, yes, I did. I said, what else you got successful? Well, now that you make me think differently, um, my son is in baseball and I'm the coach and we're probably going to win the pennant this year. And that's something we both intended. And okay, yes, I guess I'm achieving that. Great. What else you successful? Okay. Um, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, lives with us. And most people don't want their mother-in-law living with us, but actually she's amazing. And I really love having her there. She helps us with the kids and everything else. And she is amazing. And most people don't get along with that, but we have a you know, beautiful relationship that's inspiring. I said, great. What else? Well, we all work in the yard. The whole family works in the yard, and we're probably going to get yard of the year again for the summer. I said, fantastic. What else? I do lay ministry on Wednesdays and Sundays at my church, and that was something I wanted to do since my 20s, and I'm doing it, and I'm pretty good at it. I said, fantastic. And we went and listed all these things that he had success when I asked him and made him accountable and didn't let him run his rant his story. I said, now, the only way you could perceive yourself as not successful is you're comparing yourself to somebody. If you're the only man on earth, you wouldn't have any idea what that was. So who are you comparing yourself to? He goes, I think I know. I said, who? He said, the guy up on the hill, up down, go farther down the street, go up on the hill. There's a guy that's got a 6,000 square foot home, three car garage, got a big practice. And I guess I'm comparing myself to him. I said, fantastic. Do you know him pretty well? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're both doctors. Yep. I said, how's his relationship with his wife? Well, that's interesting you ask. That's very volatile. I think they've been married and divorced three times. I think they, they get together and then they want to kill each other and then they get back together again. Okay, so is is that where he's having a bit of stress? Oh, yes. And does he have kids? Oh, yeah. Does he have a son? Yep. And how's his relationship with his son? Well, that's interesting you sound. How's his son doing? Uh, he's on drugs and they're having problems in school and they're having a hard time keeping him in school and he's just getting into trouble. And um, yeah. And what about the mother-in-law? They, uh, they live with the mother-in-law? Oh, God, no. They moved out of the country to get away from that crazy lady. That I know for a fact. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with the rest of that, that girl's family. And that creates a lot of tension, probably why they're back and forth on their relationship. And what about their yard? Well, they got people to take care of their yard. I don't think they even noticed their yard. I mean, they, they just drive in and don't even think about it. And what about their lay ministry? Is he involved in any lay ministry? No, he's not involved in religious stuff at all. I said, right now, if I was to just have a magic wand and you could swap places with him and you could have the six-car garage and the fancy practice, but you'd have to have his relationship, his kid stuff, and all the stuff he's had. He said, would you take it? He goes, no, God, no. I said, let me explain to you the first principle as a coach, as a counselor, and consulting with you. You're not any less successful than this man, and he's not more successful than you. He has a different set of priorities and different set of values that he's running his life by, making decisions by, and his highest value is his business and finance. And lower on his values is his, his relationship with his family and spirituality and those, those topics and or aesthetics of his yard. 
you have a high value on your family. You have a high value on spirituality, high value on making sure your son gets an education and gets good in school, you know, and, and uh, also in sports. I said, you're not less successful. You just have a different set of values. But the moment you compare your values to somebody else's values and think theirs is better, that's when you start to thinking you're not successful. So I just want you to know, you don't have a lack of success because there's people out there that wish they could have what you have. And they think that they're not successful comparing themselves to the way your relationship is in your spiritual life and in your family and your kid. And a baseball game, they probably think, wow, what an amazing uh, coach out there with his son. I mean, that's an amazing thing to see. And their kids are saying, we don't have that in our family. So there's somebody out there envying you and trying to imitate you. But Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. Don't put people on pedestals or pits. Put them in your heart. Don't live in the shadows of people. Live on the shoulders of giants by recognizing whatever you see in them, you have in your own form according to your own values, and they're just as honorable. Great story. Oh, my goodness. I love this so much. And so did he at that moment say, I don't need to hire you? Or did he say, okay, yeah, I now I want to hire you to help me? Jennifer, I put myself out of business a lot of times. This is this happens. I, you know, <laughs> I, I after when he got through, he didn't need any more service. So that was fine. But really, that's my objective. If I stop and think, I get referrals from people like that. But I don't want to have somebody plug their umbilical cord into me and be dependent on me because of the illusions. I'm interested in helping people wake up their magic and realize that there's nothing missing in their life. Because the truth is, right. there isn't. But we don't see that because we keep comparing. And the contrast, the law of contrast right, exactly. and comparison keeps people from honoring the magnificence of who they are. And the magnificence of who they are is far greater than any fantasies they'll impose on themselves. So the second they compare themselves to others and create a fantasy of who they should be, they just undermine the magnificence of who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, agree completely. And so when somebody starts to realize that this is more of an issue around values and not necessarily comparing myself with another person, but let's say that they still are like, okay, but I still want to make more money, or I still want to have a better body, or I still want to have a better relationship. What would the next step be? Is it to then start to, to change or shift their, their values? Is that where they would start to do this work? You have two options. And this is not what people want to hear, but I don't really care about that. That's not, I'm not here to just tell people what they want to hear because you don't get anywhere that way. But I'm interested right. in telling people the truth about how human behavior works. That's my, my job. You have two choices. Set goals that match your true values, so you have congruency, so you spontaneously act according to what those values are, or change your values to match the goals you say you want. But now what's, what's interesting is the majority of people don't know what their values are. I'll give you an example. I was speaking in Johannesburg to about 5,300 people. I was opening up a conference called the Success Summit. Richard Branson was closing it. We had a few speakers in between. I get up on stage. The place is roaring. It's first thing in the morning. This first speaker is me. And I said, how many of you would love to get up in the morning and, 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 and do something extraordinary and become financially independent and have your passive income exceed your active income? Every hand went up. Some people, two hands. Some people put their leg in the air. Yes. So imagine a rally of 5,300 people putting their hands up, right? I said, fantastic. Now, how many of you have financial independence now where your passive income is exceeding your active income? You don't work because you 
have to. I mean, you, you're, you're not working because you have to. You're working only because you'll have to. All the hands went down except seven hands. And I said, isn't it interesting that you say, all of you say you want to be financially independent, but now when I confront you, only seven out of 5,000 have their hand up. So I'm going to confront you and make you realize that if you really did, you would be. So we're going to hit the hit you with a hard nail here. Now, I want everybody to pull out a piece of paper and get that piece of paper out. And I'm going to hand you 10 million U.S. dollars which is enough for a majority of people to live at least comfortably. 10 million US dollars. You have 60 seconds to tell me what you're gonna do with it. I'm gonna give it to you. You're gonna have it in your hands, 10 million. You have 60 seconds to decide what are the 10 things you're gonna do with it. So on your mark, get set, go. As fast as they can go, they're writing out the 10 things they would do with their money. Okay, stop, it's 60 seconds. Now turn it to the person to the left of you. They get it. Now, whoever just received it, calculate how much of that $10 million has been spent now on some sort of consumable that depreciates in value and just been destroyed as an asset. Between 20 and 80% of that money was gone in 60 seconds. They bought that house, they bought that car, they bought that trip, they bought those clothes, they bought that diamond ring, they bought these things. And when I got through, it was quiet. And they went, ooh. I then said, the hierarchy of your values dictates your financial destiny. If you don't have a value on buying assets that go up in value, you're going to spend it on depreciables and consumables that go down in value. And people that do that do not become financially independent. So you say you want to be financially independent, but I'm not interested in your words. I'm interested in your actions and your hierarchy of values is dictating how you're going to spend it. So right now, how many of you actually had taken that money and immediately put it into assets that went up in value. There was a handful of hands up and they all got their lesson. I said, now, now that we realize that you're a friggin' liar out there to yourself and it's time to wake up and I hit them really hard. I said, now, are you seriously, seriously ready to go and become wealthy? Which means you're going to defer gratification and you're going to start buying assets. Can you say no to buying immediate gratifying things? Can you Forget the Joneses next door. Can you live within your means and invest money and actually start it to work for you? If you can, you can change your financial destiny today. Now, I'm going to show you how you can increase the probability of that by showing you how to stack up new associations, kind of an operant conditioning, to increase the probability of the action steps that are proven to build wealth in people and to increase those until the values and the benefits of those actions are greater than the current actions are because you make decisions based on what you believe will give you the greatest advantage or disadvantage. So unless you have more advantage on these new actions, more than the advantage you think you're getting from this other one, you're not going to do anything but do the same thing. So we're going to do an exercise and I'm going to shift your values today. But before you do it, make sure that's really what you want to do. Because right now you have to be willing to give up some of what you're doing now to do what you say you want to do. Are you willing to do that? And I really, really shocked everybody. And they're like going, whoa. I said, because most people want to live in a fantasy instead of face reality about their finances. I said, so how many are ready to do it? And now the hands went up, but they were more cautious. I said, I'm going to give it to you. If you choose not to do it, that's okay. But don't fantasize about being financial independent unless you have the hierarchy of values that will lead you there. Because the hierarchy of your values is going to dictate your financial destiny going to determine how you spend your money. 
And then I gave him six proven action steps that I've received from observing about a hundred and something billionaires that I've interacted with and looked at what was common to the wealthy people. I've done value determination for 45 years on people of all different types of standards in life. And there is guaranteed certain standards of values and certain directions of values that people hold that become wealthy. And there are other ones that don't. So I basically took those six things and we then started linking, started reassociating. And um, really quite an interesting example. People afterwards, I had them all interact and say, what, what did you just experience? And what was the anxieties you were facing? And what was, And all of a sudden people are saying, I'm now afraid. I realized that I was afraid of what people in my family would think if all of a sudden I became wealthy. And I was actually anxious about what they think about me. And other people said, I, I then realized that now I have a bunch of opportunities attacking me if all of a sudden I became wealthy. And they brought up all their anxieties of why they're doing what they're doing instead of actually facing the truth about what's really going on in their life. They lived in the fantasy, and most people do. And until they actually ground themselves about what's really important to them, what's really their values, what they spontaneously do without having to be motivated, that will tell them what they're going to achieve in life. Oh my gosh, so, so powerful. Now, I know there's going to be people who are listening to this and they're they're going to be asking themselves, okay, so it sounds to me, Dr. John, that I've got to shift some of my values if I want to get results in an area that maybe right now I'm not seeing the results in there that I, I say that I want to see. And so how... You know, how many people are successful with shifting their values? Is it an easy thing? Is it a difficult thing? Like when now you're faced with, okay, I get it. Now I've got to shift and change my values. Like how easy is that for somebody to do or not? Well, it's going on in everybody's life throughout their life. So, you know, you don't have the same values you were when you were 10. When you're 10, you want to play. Mm -hmm. When you're 10 to 20, you want to socialize. When you're 20 to 30, you want to find a mate and a job. When you're 30 to 40, you want to have your own company and have a family. When you're 40 and 50, you have an affair. That's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> but but every decade is a little different, right? Eventually, you want to get out of out, out yeah. your hemorrhoids. When you're 70, you want to get rid of your hemorrhoids. Um, these are bad jokes. Yep. But there, yeah. is a, there is a gradual tweaking based on pains and pleasures and setbacks and you know support and challenge in life. It's constantly changing. The difference is most people are doing it passively instead of taking command of the perceptions they have about life because mm -hmm. your perceptions are changing in life mm -hmm. so if i ask the question let, let's say i want to raise something on a value i ask this question and i've 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 trained people how to do this i've trained consultants and business people and government people and thousands of people on this it's not something that can't be trained it's not something can't be done it's not that difficult it just takes an accountability of doing it so here's the question mm -hmm. you ask Let's say you identify, let's say you want to build wealth and you want to raise the value of building wealth on your, in your, your, your value system. What you do is you take the series of action steps that are proven to build wealth. For instance, if you don't have a work ethic and you don't care about serving people and you don't have a source of income, you're not probably going to be wealthy. So one is having a value on building a business of some form where you're serving ever greater numbers of people where you now have a source of potential income. If you don't have a work ethic, you don't have a desire to be of service, don't have a desire to make a contribution, which is the source of wealth in the world. It's just a fair exchange for doing some service. If you don't have that as a value, that's a starting place. So you write down, what is the benefit of actually having a value on caring enough about human beings 
to want to find out what the great needs are and find a way of efficiently providing for those needs. That's an important component because the wealthiest people I know have that as a goal. They're constantly looking for how they can be of service to ever greater numbers of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amazon's a good example. What is it people want? How do I get it to them more effective and efficient than somebody else? So if they don't have that that work ethic, they're going to probably be working and just getting by and getting a job and a paycheck kind of thing. The second thing is that they have a value on maximizing the efficiency and effectiency of their work so they're able to maximize the margins in that business so there's more money to be able to provide lower cost to the customer, higher income to higher quality employees, and a margin for the company. So if you don't have a way where you're working on the business to make it efficient and don't have a value on that, again, you're probably not going to make the most money. You're probably going to work for somebody else and just get by, go home, et cetera. And people who work for others pay the most taxes. People that work for themselves have less tax. People that learn to invest have the least taxes. So you're working against yourself if you don't have these values. The third one is having a value on saving an ever-progressive portion of it. That means you're taking a portion of whatever you're earning and you're not waiting to see if there's going to be any profits. You're forcing the profits. The demand on the profits goes into investments and then the business comes up and takes take care of it. I've been doing that 41 years and it's amazing what happens when you force savings. I've, I started out at $200 a month. I made it $250,000 a month within a period of time. So I ba- basically increased the amount that I was saving and saying I deserve. Because if you don't feel deserving of it and you don't, declare it, you don't get it. And the wealthy always paid themselves first, not wait to see what's at the end. So then there has to be a value on that. The next one is to have have a value on investing and learning how to buy assets. Now, after you saved it and you've got a cushion of you know security, now you need to be able to buy assets. If you don't have a value on that, you're not going to learn about it. You're not going to know what an asset is. You're not going to know what the real intrinsic value of it is. You're not going to know what the return of it is, the probabilities of it. This has to be part of your nature and you want to study that and learn about it. You, when you really value something, you want to learn about it. The next one is you want to accumulate wealth. Because if you don't have a desire to accumulate it, the second you get comfortable, you'll start buying stuff. And most people, they buy a house, they can put a car in the garage when they bought it. But you know, years later, they can't even get their car in the garage because they got stuff filling it everywhere. And they build stuff. I, I don't accumulate stuff. I don't, I'm not a hoarder of other people's brands. I put my investments back into my own brand and buy assets that have values that go up in value. And the last one is having a cause, creating a financial cause that leaves a legacy. Some cause inspires you to such a degree that you want to keep earning money beyond what your comfort zone is and your needs and your own financial independence. Therefore, your passive income keeps growing and accelerating. And now you're deciding what you want to do instead of the government. You're deciding what you want to do philanthropic. You're deciding how you want to contribute, which is one of the most fulfilling things in life. So if there's not a a desire for building a business in some of those steps and the action steps and having a value on those actions, see, most people say, oh, I want to have a value on money so I can spend it. Well, if you have a value and write down Mm -hmm. all the benefits of spending it, you're never going to have it accumulate. You're not going to build, you're never going to have it assets. And I see this and I've done Hundreds of thousands of value determinations on people that are wealthy and poor, and I am absolutely certain that that's the factor that's running people's lives that's either making them wealthy or poor. 
Oh my goodness. So much powerful stuff. I am so happy that you're here today because you are helping so many people shift, you know, how they look at these things. And for some people, I know they've been maybe trying to see improvement in their different areas of their lives for maybe years or even their whole lifetimes. And so today you kind of just dumped everything (laughs) upside down, which I love and made everybody really think about this in a very, very different way. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much really for being here today. Would you mind? Cause I know there's a lot of people right now that are probably on fire. I'm on fire, like listening to you talk about these things and where can they go to find out more about you, more about your books? Like where can they find more about you? Well, all they have to do is go to drdmartini.com. Just drdmartini, D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com drdmartin.com. They are going to have to be a Buddhist believing in reincarnation because they can't possibly get through all of my website in one life. There's so much on there. They're going to, they, they can, they can go on there and just read and learn and listen to podcasts. And I mean, I've done 9,000 interviews and so they, they, they've got plenty of stuff to look at and read and learn, learn from. So just drdmartini.com and they'll, 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 they'll be busy. They'll, they'll have more than they're going to know what to do. Yes, they will. Yeah. Yes, I agree completely. All right. You, th- Dr. Martini, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. You guys all heard the website. Please go there. Please check out his work. Just from today's show, I know that I had some of my values like, oh, I'm starting to put some of those into question and thinking about those just in this short time. So if you want more help with this, definitely go visit his website, check out his work. Um, so much great stuff. And, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day in Egypt to be here with us today on our show and help some people. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. You're the one helping me. So thank you. Ah, You're very, very welcome. All right, you guys, today's show had so many amazing, just amazing, amazing, we'll call them truth bombs all throughout the show today. So I hope you really found value from it. And, And that's it for our show today. We'll put all the notes and links to the website in our show notes, but just get out there, you guys, and have a happy, productive day. Bye. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.